Since 2014, Four Sons Brewing has been creating authentic craft beers, unique seltzers, and family-friendly locations throughout Huntington Beach. They are a pillar of our community, and we hope they become a staple in your home. Find them in Costco, Total Wine and Spirits, or online at foursonsbrewing.com and by visiting one of their three locations. Make sure to tell them Ashley at What's Your Position sent you. Stay safe, stay kind, stay sexy, and cheers. What's Your Position podcast may contain adult themes, sexual discussions, and strong language. We want everyone to be educated, but we are intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. On today's episode, we talk to Cami Orange, who loves to collect boundary phrases. We're going to get into what boundaries are and how you can create them in your everyday life. Welcome, Cami. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being part of What's Your Position. How are you? I am so good. Thank you for inviting me, Ashley. Yes, absolutely. So I am so excited to have you on. So one of the things um, as a podcaster I, I absolutely love doing is seeing a story. I scroll I scroll Instagram before I go to bed. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Like I lay here in my bed and have my screen on my face as I'm falling asleep. I don't care. And I tend to find very fascinating BuzzFeed articles. Um, They're one of my favorite things to read. And I was scrolling back in like late November through Instagram. And all of a sudden this article popped up and it said, what an odd thing to say. This 33-year-old collects boundary phrases, and I am studying them all in preparation for my next awkward moment. You were on BuzzFeed. Yes. How fucking cool is that? Like, (laughs) first of all, did it blow your mind when they reached out to you? I have been an entrepreneur and been in business for most of my life. So that was the largest piece of media coverage that I've had, but it, mm-hmm. um, it came because I had a couple of TikTok videos go really viral mm-hmm. and hit multiple millions of views. And so it was almost like an extension of that, by like viralness, um, when they reached out and said, Oh, we're, we want to do an article on you, on your phrases. It was a breath of fresh air when I read your, the phrases that you collect. And I think that's such a beautiful way to put it, to collect boundary phrases. Boundaries are super hard for a lot of people. They are, um, basically, so just so everyone is aware, boundaries are an imaginary line that separates me from you, um, separating your physical space, your emotional space, your needs, your responsibilities, everything that you are as a person from other individuals. They tell people how you want to be treated, what is acceptable to you and what is not. And without boundaries, people can take advantage of you. Um, People can treat you in a negative way um, and you can become sort of a doormat 
of sorts if you aren't setting the appropriate boundaries. Um, think of a boundary as like a property line of sorts, right? Like you may not have an actual fence on your property line, but if your neighbor started letting their dog poop in your yard and then let their kids play in your yard and then started taking your newspaper off your front lawn and you weren't saying anything, you, that your boundary lines would be being crossed. Am I missing anything, Cami, as far as what a boundary is? Or can you explain it in another sort of a fun way? Absolutely. I define a boundary as a communicated expression of what's okay and what's not okay. And for me, that's a broad definition. And it, that's an intentional choice. Because like you said, a property line is a boundary, a fence is a boundary, me shaking my head no, or putting my hand up in a stop gesture can be a boundary, as well as saying, Oh, thank you so much for thinking of me. That's not something I'm going to do today, or whatever, you know, declining certain things. Um, those are all boundaries. And I prefer that clear delineation of what's okay and what's not okay, because sometimes a boundary is saying, oh, that is okay with me. Yes, I am okay with a hug. Yes, I am okay with, you know, sharing this thing with you and mm -hmm. helping people say, oh, I'm okay with that. Or, oh no, I'm not okay with that. And then wherever that line is in between those two things, that's the boundary. It's interesting because when I think about boundaries for myself, I, I have a hard time personally, I've, for my whole life, I've had a hard time setting boundaries. And I think a lot of that comes with sort of how we're raised, um, the household that we grew up in, what we're taught as children that we're supposed to be a lot, like allowing other people to do, um, people pleasing, codependency, all of these, you know, pop psych terms that we hear all the time about why people choose to not lay boundaries down. Why do you think we have such a hard time in our society being honest with other people about what's okay and what's not okay in our lives? I think for most people's family of origin, the person who was in charge, the person who got to set limits was the person who was either the biggest, the loudest, the angriest. And so then as we grow up, we're like, oh, I want to set a limit. I want to say, hey, I'm not okay with that. But our only experience is, oh, that's what someone who is big, loud and angry does. So I don't want to be that person. I don't want I don't want to be like that. So I'm just not going to set a limit. I'm not going to say, hey, I'm not okay with that. And so most people don't have the exposure. They don't have the experience of very kind and direct, supportive communication saying, hey, all of our lives are better if you express what's okay and what's not okay. And so it is really common for people to struggle with boundaries because it's like another language. And if yeah. you have never had that taught to you, suddenly you're in a situation and you're like, oh, I need to communicate in this language that I don't even speak. And right. it could be awkward. It could be difficult. It could be uncomfortable. And people, you know, that's normal. Humans don't like to be uncomfortable. And so they lean away from it and they choose to just avoid. And instead of 
um, you know, communicating what's okay and what's not okay. And what I've noticed as a boundary coach, you know, with 17 years of experience working with clients and then two years as a full-time boundary coach is there's really four choices that we have when it comes to boundary setting. People can choose to be silent. And usually that looks like avoiding or keeping really quiet. I had a client who, when we were working together, they said, oh, at work, my cubicle neighbor clips their nails at their desk every day. This like clip, 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 clip sound. And I am, I'm going to quit this job. And I was like, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) Right. And I was like, Oh, what is your cubicle? I totally would. Right. (laughs) I was like, what did your cubicle neighbor say when you asked them about it? Or when you asked them to please stop doing it. And he's like, Oh, I didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, so this has been going on for an extended period of time. And you were staying silent, staying silent, staying silent. And then he's going to swing it to the other end, which is the extreme response. That's where we quit the job. We call the police. We end the relationship. We, you know, we scream and yell. Like people swing it out to an extreme because all of those feelings have built up for so long. Things are so not okay that they can't keep silent anymore. And so it goes to this other extreme. And most people, those are their only two experiences with communicating Mm. what's okay and what's not okay. And in the middle, you can have indirect communication and direct communication. And you say the thing, you speak up, you say, hey, I noticed that you clip your nails at your desk a lot. The noise of that really bothers me. Could you do that over lunch or first thing in the morning or right when work is ending instead? So it's not just... Or in the bathroom. (laughs) If there's some reason you have to do it at your desk, (laughs) can we do it at a time that I'm not there? (laughs) I actually have a coworker who has like serious, like sensory issues. Mm -hmm. And anybody who clicks a pen, like just the clicking, she's like, hey, clicky. Can the clicking stop? Is it okay? Can the clicking just be done? Can we be done with the clicking? <laughs> like, whoever is doing it is typically not aware of the noise because they're just like doing it. Like they're staring at a piece of paper and they're looking over some sort of document and it's just click, 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 just a, a nervous tick or whatever. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, it really gets under her skin and she is able to sort of, not necessarily in the nicest way, um, but she is able to say, Hey, stop, like, please, that's enough of that noise. Like yeah. there's, I need that to end. Thank you. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you came to be the cami that you are today, the boundary coach extraordinaire. Tell me about yourself. I would love to. So I have a really eclectic background. I was raised in a small cult subset of Mormonism by religious extremists in Utah. So very Wait, strange what? childhood. <laughs> Were you raised in the in the fundamentalist? No, it wasn't Just, FLDS. It was a smaller group. Okay, Did but you like a watch, very strange, um, uh, very strange childhood. Did you watch the FLDS uh, documentary on uh, Keep Sweet and, uh, or wait, Keep Sweet, Sweet and Obey? Keeps Is that what it is? Yeah. I watched the trailer of that and I was like, you know, today is not the day I'm going to trigger all my childhood stuff. I, I, I chose that. out, but I did watch fair. the trailer. A lot of my um, fair. friends and people who, you know, have similar backgrounds or like, there was lots of discussion about that. 
So, wow. yeah, it was a very, very specific childhood. And mm-hmm. I left home at 17 um, and I became a full-time psychic medium. And did that for a couple of years. Oh, you went you went to the other side. Yes. You said <laughs> no more of this. I'm going to exit Mormonism and get into astrology. So Yes. <laughs> yep. So I went the other extreme and I did that for a while. And something that I noticed working with clients is that people have terrible boundaries with the dead because they have terrible boundaries with the living. And I just kept oh, wow. seeing this pattern over and over and over over again that I was like why are you doing this and I was like oh they have no boundaries or they have bad boundaries and it was really obvious so I boundary work showed up a lot as a psychic medium you know and that's not what I was there to do but it constantly showed up it just so happened to keep coming up over and over and over again and after I retired from being a psychic medium I worked as a wardrobe mentor So your closet is a vision board of your life. And so I'm international keynote speaker and had clients in 10 countries helping them put together this vision board of their wardrobe. And like I traveled to Budapest and spoke at a conference, like all kinds of fun things. I need so much help. I have no idea the amount of clothing that is in my closet. I have those racks, you know, that I have pants on that like, so you can like... Hey, you are. She's in my closet room. So I have pants on like the, the hanging rack. So you can hang like eight pairs of pants on one hanger. I have four of those. Mm-hmm. And I have dresses. I have to put like five dresses on one hanger because I have too many to hang by themselves. I can't stop. Like, and I love, I have clothes. such a problem I love too. Them. I love them. It's like, so they're my thing. Me too. But I have such a problem. It's bad. It's so and you're, bad. But you're right. I, when you say that, Clothing is a vision board for your life and I feel chaotic. So like maybe I should just get rid of all my clothes and be naked Whoa. all the time. I think yeah. The Ooh. <laughs> Ashley, I'll do that with you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Cammy, join us. <laughs> I've already solved that issue. That's not an approach I have to take. Okay. <laughs> You're like, I'm good, man. Welcome. <laughs> so you were a you were a, so I was a wardrobe mentor and then a wardrobe mentor. I was a wardrobe mentor. I had my own business, and I was there to help people with their closets. And people would be like, "Oh, I have this issue with my husband and how he criticizes what I wear," or "I have this issue. My mother in law keeps buying me clothes that are one size too small just to mm. encourage me." I have this issue with you know, like people have boundary stuff and I was like so I spent I thought I was there to sort through clothes and instead we would spend a significant amount <laughs> of time doing boundary work and I was yeah. like oh that's so interesting I'm, I'm like okay yeah happy to help you know here's here's this perspective and when I um, sold my wardrobe mentoring business after my divorce I became a business consultant and I traveled around the country and I lived all over the 48 and I would stay with my clients in their homes for two, three, four weeks and help them put their businesses online. And so I didn't have like a home base. I just was constantly on the road. And Wasn't that hard for you, like mentally not to have a home base? Like, was that difficult for you in, in any way? I grew up with a lot of moving. We moved 25 times by the time I was 17. Um, And so for me, having a home base um, was more unfamiliar than moving all the time. 
So I, you know, I'm excited to help people set up their email sequences and figure out things, you know, with their websites. And they're like, oh, I have this issue. I have a client who keep texting me at 11 o'clock at night, but I don't feel like I can ignore them. Or my teenager keeps interrupting me when I'm trying to work and it's really annoying. What do I do? And I was like, oh, I guess we're doing boundary work. Boundaries. We're doing boundary mm-hmm. work again. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And I just, I was like, huh, oh, I notice a pattern. And one of my business consulting clients, we were chatting one day and I was like, oh, you have this spiritual gift of connection, but you're only using it like 40%. Maybe that's something you could increase. Because to me, I grew up with those. Like people have intuitive abilities. Like that's very normal in my background. And she was like, hold up, what? I have a what? What is this? Like, tell me more. And I was like, oh no, like I can write it down for you. So I wrote her like a little list of like all of her top gifts. Because I just know what they are and I can see them. And it morphed into a whole business very rapidly. And so I became, I retired as a business consultant and became a spiritual teacher and did that for a couple of years. And I certified and trained 23 coaches in the spiritual modalities I created. Spiritual gifts, your entourage, which are like your angels, animals, ancestors, higher beings, people that walk around with you, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And so, right, all of that, very, like, and I have a very practical approach to it. Yeah, it's, it's just a thing. But out of all of that, oh my gosh, people have terrible boundaries. They're like, can I book a session with you? (laughs) And you like do energy work on my husband, even though he doesn't believe in it and he doesn't want you to at all. And I was like, no, that's, that's not how that works. (laughs) No. No. And so I started teaching boundary workshops to my students because I was like, y'all need this. Like you need help. And out of all of the hundreds, y'all need boundaries. Yes. (laughs) Hundreds and hundreds of hours of content I created. It was the boundary content that was the most popular. It was the most shared. And I was like, Oh, this is a thing. And so I retired as a spiritual teacher at the end of 2019, when I realized that I was trying to like work through my own childhood trauma by like saving other people spiritually. And I was like, Oh, I'm not doing that anymore. So I closed down my business. I sold my coaching certification to one of my students and I took all of 2020 off laid in the backyard, just kind of like did a lot of gardening, did a lot of thinking. And I thought back all over my life and I was like, okay, psychic medium, people have terrible boundaries. Wardrobe mentor, people have terrible boundaries. <laughs> Business consultant, terrible boundaries. <laughs> Spiritual teacher, terrible boundaries. Maybe I should be a fucking boundary coach. Boundary coach. <laughs> and I told my friend, and he's like, you would be so good at that. And I was joking. Like, I was, it wasn't like a serious suggestion. Uh, but he's like, no, but like, for real. And so I really started thinking about it. So at the beginning of 2021, I opened up my business as a boundary coach. And here we are two years later. So what does that look like as a boundary coach? How do you get your name out there? How do you get clients? How do you get yourself to these people? Uh, Start with logistics, right? And then I'll ask some Mm -hmm. other questions. So how do do people know what you do and how do you offer your services to people? So for the last two years, I have been promoting my client sessions via TikTok. And my TikTok went from like having 12 followers when I started to almost 300,000 at this point. So it's been a successful journey. And I have a lot of word of mouth referrals. Um, And so it's been really great. 
at the end of this last year, New Year's is a big like turning moment for me. It's a big mm. holiday as a pagan, uh, you know, winter solstice, Yule. And so I have a book. And a lot of, it's very big for boundaries too, because yes. the boundaries and resolutions, I feel like go hand in hand. Yeah. So I feel like at this point, working one-on-one is not a fit for me anymore. And so I closed down my one-on-one sessions at the end of this last year. And now I'm focusing on my online courses and content, my one-to-many. Um, you know, I have a book coming out. I have a podcast coming out. Like I have lots of bigger content because I realize there's so many people who need boundary help more than I could ever help one-on-one. <laughs> do you feel like you'll do conferences or like, like, uh, retreats or anything like that? Or do you feel like it's more broad than that? As an autistic person, I don't particularly enjoy those. I can do them, but it's not really fun. Mm-hmm. And so I would be happy to show up at someone else's conference and speak, but I have put on several conferences in my life and like been in charge of having 200 people show up to see speakers and all the things. And it's just a lot of work that I don't particularly enjoy. So I like creating content specifically when it comes to boundaries. I've noticed people need to review it often multiple times. And so putting that content in a format like a TikTok video, like a YouTube video, like a book, like a podcast that they can can access over and over. Mm -hmm. Because as fun as in-person events are, they get home, they get in front of their mother-in-law that they were so determined they were going to set a boundary and then they don't. (laughs) And it's something that takes practice. Setting boundaries is absolutely a practice for sure. Like it's not an easy thing to do until you've done it enough times that it becomes, like you said, like a second language. Mm -hmm. Um, Like your ability to speak Spanish, your first semester in Spanish is going to be rocky um, and going to be difficult and you're not going to conjugate properly. (laughs) And so you have to (laughs) practice. You need to use the language and exercise that muscle in order to uh, make sure that it stays fresh and that you continue to be able to flex that language over and over again. Um, when you do, like, I know you said that you've already closed your one-on-one, but tell me a little bit, like, if you were going to meet with a person one-on-one to help them work on their boundaries, what does a session like that look like? Yeah. So I have started um, over this last year, when people want to work one-on-one with me, I've realized values are really the backbone of boundary setting. People always say, what boundaries should I set here? What should I do? And I'm like, well, it depends on what you value. I know what I value. I value (laughs) safety. I value compassion. I value generosity. So when I'm setting a boundary, my questions are, what helps me and everybody else involved to be safe? What is the most compassionate way to handle this? What is the most generous approach to take? And then that's what I do. Versus my sister, who is a marriage and family therapist, her primary value is connection. So her question is always, what boundary do I set that preserves connection? And often we come to very different conclusions in what, you know, you give us both the same scenario, we might come up with a different response. And it doesn't mean my boundaries are good or hers are bad or vice versa. They're both boundaries, but it just depends on what you value. So when I work with clients, that's always where I start is what do you value? What is the end goal? What are you trying to get out of this? You know, like the person we mentioned, his, his cubicle mate clips their nails at their desk. What is the goal here? Like, what would you like to have happen? What is the ideal scenario? And then let's set boundaries from there. Yeah. I value 
silence at my desk or I value cleanliness or I yeah. value mm-hmm. peace while I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I value someone not clipping their nails while I'm working. Can I, have, um, I have a question. Let's talk about a little bit. Oh yeah. Lily, go right ahead. Sorry. Um, can we, what do you say about like no. parents and their children and setting boundaries on, especially even, uh, daughters saying, you know, you don't have to hug your uncle or sons. You don't have to hug your, your grandma and give her a kiss. Like what, what do you do any work with like parents and children and setting those kinds of boundaries? I would say 90% of my followers are parents. Um, it's really common for people who didn't have good boundaries in their own families of origin And now they've grown up and they have children and they're like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to teach this, that they want to do it differently. And they go out seeking that support. Often people are not motivated to seek support for themselves if they come from a background where their needs were not valued or acknowledged, but they will go to the ends of the earth for their kids. And so they show up in my space being like, okay, I want to be better with boundaries for my kids. And I'm like, awesome. We got to start with you. (laughs) 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 I don't work with children. I work with adults. And so I believe in the specific scenario you gave that the person with the body is the boss. And I've been saying that since I was a psychic medium, like the person with the body is the boss. The corporeal person is more important than the incorporeal, like person with the body is boss. And that applies to the dead. That applies to your uncle who wants to hug you and you don't want one. Like the person with the body is the boss. (laughs) And so, yes, I do a lot of work around that of you do not have to touch people that you don't want to touch. Like my desire to not be touched is more important than someone else's desire to touch me. And people are like, the way you phrase that makes it sound so awkward. Yes. Yes, that is a deliberate, intentional choice. Like, and that was, you know, if they're being pushy, be like, Uncle Bob, your desire to touch my child is not more important than my child's desire to not be touched. Like, I'm not trying to touch her. I just want to hug her. Okay. Your desire to touch my child is not more important than her desire to not be touched right now. Like, we are going to make this as as awkward as we need to to make the point. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's excellent. So I want to talk a little bit about how boundaries are beneficial. Um, because a lot of people, like we've talked about, have a lot of people have a hard time with boundaries because it makes us uncomfortable um, for whatever reason, right? Because we're people pleasers, because we don't want to hurt someone's feelings, because we're afraid, um, because we don't know how. Right. Mm -hmm. There's many, many reasons why a person wouldn't be able to set a boundary. But I wanted to discuss a few reasons um, that that you should probably look into how to set boundaries and how they're beneficial for you. So I'm going to go through this list with you and I kind of want you to give me your input and let me know um, maybe a little bit of an explanation as to why this is a good reason for a boundary. So the first one is that it creates better communication between yourself and others. So how does having boundaries create communication? If when setting a boundary, sometimes what that does is end communication. Do you know what I mean? Like if you're setting a boundary and saying, I'm not going to be your friend if you continue to use drugs. And now you've ended that friendship and communication because that person chooses not to, to, to stop using drugs. So how does it improve communication? 
So there's the four choices with boundary setting and people start with silence. The other end is extreme and the middle is indirect and direct communication. And so often, like if we were at the point where I was like, oh, if you keep doing this, like I can't have you in my life anymore. Like we've gone to an extreme point and mm-hmm. it's because there was silence, there was silence, there was silence. And then we went to an extreme and that is a lot of people's experience with boundaries. Candidly, that's not my experience with boundaries. That very rarely happens in my life because we're having conversations so much earlier in the process. An example is I have a friend, I called him and he was like, hey, when you call me without like any warning, it kind of sets off my, you know, parasympathetic nervous system. Like he's had a lot of those like epic life-changing phone calls where you're like, oh, before I got that call, like you know, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And then things are always changed. And he's had enough of those in his life that he just doesn't really love like sudden random phone calls. And he's like, it would be really helpful if you would text me before you call. And at that moment, I had a couple of choices. I could either just say, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for letting me know. I could say, oh, these are the reasons that I can't do that. But what I can do is we can pre-schedule phone calls or I can wait for you to call me or, you know, and we could have found another solution. Um, Or I could have said, okay. And then just kept calling him without texting first anyway. And then he would have stopped taking my calls and that would have ended our relationship or dramatically changed it. And so I have choices. He's expressing, Hey, it's not okay with me if you call without letting me know first. And then I have choices of how to respond. That's not extreme. That's not him saying, if you call me one more time without texting first, I am never speaking to you again. Like we didn't even get to that point. I was like, Oh yeah, thank you for taking care of yourself. Thank you for prioritizing your needs. Thank you for letting me know how I can be a better friend to you. Yeah. I will absolutely text you before I call you. Like it's no big deal. Most people are kind. Most people are so happy to show up for each other. And so especially when it doesn't take anything extra out of your day, like if someone's like, can you text me first? Well, yeah. Uh, Hey, you free to chat? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So what you're, where you were saying, Ashley, that, you know, people don't want to set boundaries because they don't want to hurt anybody. If you know, anybody listening to this is like, oh, that's why I don't set boundaries. I invite you to consider that other people don't want to hurt you either. And when you set boundaries, you are setting them up to win. You're facilitating better relationships, better communication by saying, hey, this is what I need for this to go well. And because they don't want to hurt you just like you don't want to hurt them. Like this is the most helpful. I genuinely believe setting boundaries is one of the most kind things that we can do because it facilitates better communication. Brene Brown says clear is kind. Yes. I love Brene Brown. What do you say about how setting boundaries can help us be better at solving conflict? One of the things I love about being someone who's really good at boundaries is number one, I have very minimal conflict in my life because like I said, resolve things earlier, you know, go upstream, solve it then. But even when there is conflict, I have so much practice speaking this language of like, hey, seems like we are not on the same page with this. And I'm getting the impression that you're not going to change your mind and I'm not going to change my mind. Do you think it makes sense for us to just change the subject and not keep talking about this? I'm not like mad. My feathers are not ruffled. Like people can disagree with me. I'm okay. Also, I have really clear lines of if they start attacking me personally and they're like, well, because you're fat, I don't have to listen to what you have to say. And I'm like, oh, 
Apparently, we're not going to continue this conversation then. I hope that you so solved we're that. We're ending this. Like, have a good day. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I have lots of comfort with, um, I would say comfort with conflict because it's, it's thousands of times of very small conflict. That's not like a big conflict for my friend to say, hey, could you text me before you call me? But it's still a very, very teeny tiny drop in that bucket. But I have thousands of those drops. You know, I have an ocean right. of experience of like, oh, hey, this is what's okay and what's not okay. So even when someone is handling things with anger, I can stay calm and compassion and say, wow, they're really upset. They're probably really scared. That's really sad. Like, let's see what we can do to resolve that. Or, hey, I get that you're angry. It's not okay for you to yell at me. I'm happy to come back and have this conversation when you're in a better headspace. How would you say that boundaries help reduce a person's stress and overall anger in their life? I have no friends or relationships where I resent them. Like, at all. There's no resentment in any of my relationships. And I was thinking through this the other day and I made a list of probably like the top 30 people that I spend the most time with or talk to the most often, you know, like my village, right? Like the people that are sure. closest to me. And yeah. I was like, is there any resentment with any of these people? And I was like, no, like genuinely all of these people are lovely and we're good. And it's because we have clear boundaries. It's not that we all have group think and agree on things. We really don't. But I like, I just don't stress. And it's one of the challenges as a boundary coach is people are like, well, I'm sure you get what that's like to have, you know, these friends who are just so annoying. And I was like, I literally have no annoying friends. All of my friends are lovely. And like, I, like, because I have years of experience only making friends with and maintaining relationships with people who also have good boundaries. If they have bad boundaries, I'd be like, Hey, I'm not okay with that. And they keep crossing that line. They don't end up they didn't make it on the list Staying of 30 people. The they didn't make it on the list. That's for damn sure. That's, They're not in your top 30. Yeah. That's for sure. That's amazing. That's amazing. Brilliant. I, am, so I struggle also, with that. Boundaries uh, allow us to, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a tough thing to navigate and... Uh, like keeping friends around because it's comfortable or because um, being in staying in a relationship because you don't want to leave or you have kids together, these things happen and resentment mm -hmm. builds and resentment is actually the number one indicator of divorce mm -hmm. in uh, almost all relationships. And yeah. I think that resentment comes from a lack of communication and within mm -hmm. communication is boundaries is yeah. what I will tolerate and what I will not tolerate. Boundaries allow you to be your true self. Um, they create this space for you to have the feelings that you have. They allow you to, um, be within who you are and say to yourself, yeah, I'm, I want to be a people pleaser. I want everyone to be happy, but I'm also not going to tolerate, um, disrespect or abuse or even at a very minimum, I don't know, drinking in my house. Like this is something, these are my boundaries and I want to be a people pleaser. But if this is who I am as a person, if I'm going to be who I truly am and embody my true self, we need to make sure that we're being honest with our friends and boundaries to me, 
equal honesty. When you set boundaries, you are showing your husband, your girlfriend, your mother, your friends, your grandmother, you're showing people that you can be honest about what you need. You can be honest about what you deserve and you can be honest about how you're going to show up in a relationship. Cammie, do you think that by setting boundaries, people will then be able to adhere to more boundaries? Like, do you feel like if you become more capable of saying what you want, you start to be able to understand what other people want? Does that make sense? Yeah. What I'm hearing you say is, does my experience saying, hey, this is what's okay and not okay with me, translate to understanding when other people are saying, hey, this is what's okay and not okay with them. And a good example would be within the disability community that people require accommodations and that's super normal. And so within like the corporate world, sometimes there's competing accommodations. And that means one person needs this thing, one person needs this thing. And like, there's a clash. And when we have good boundaries, we can just say, hey, let's problem solve. It's you and I together against the problem. We're going to figure this out. But when you don't have boundaries, it's you and I against each other and we're fighting. And Mm -hmm. the easiest example with boundary setting is I found is it really is just like, oh, I want to accommodate other people. I think people who, especially the people who are people pleasers or they don't want to upset people, that is such a generous approach. Like what a kind and loving feeling that you care about people so much. You don't want to ever upset them. I love that. I love that so much. Also, you get to include yourself in the pool of (laughs) who's who's being upset of everyone and your, your needs also matter. And so, yes, I have, a lot of practice being like, oh, hey, is this what you need? Is this what you don't need? You know, like if I'm like, hey, are you a hugger? Like I'm going to ask people before I hug them the first time because I know I do not always want to be hugged by people. Um, I love hugs by people that are on like a safe list, but that does not apply to everyone. And so I will ask, hey, is this something that you need? Hey, is this okay? Like, you know, can I, may I text you about this topic? Like, that's kind of a sensitive thing. Like, are you in a good headspace for that? And so, yes, I think it's easier to accommodate others when I have practice being really clear about my own needs and accommodations. So a couple reasons that people don't set boundaries. Fear is pretty much the number one reason that I have, have researched. So it's scary to ask people for things. It's scary to advocate for yourself. Um, It's scary to ask questions like, what happens if I set this boundary? What if they get upset by this boundary? What if I offend them by doing this boundary? By asking these questions, uh, we can really kind of navigate through what our fears really are. Um, And ambivalence too. People find that, um, you're not necessarily 100% certain that your boundary is valid or maybe that your boundary is actually going to solve the problem at hand. Um, What do you think about fear and ambivalence when it comes to setting and how that can sort of be a blockade to people learning how to set boundaries? 
when you're saying, oh, people don't set boundaries because of fear or ambivalence, what I'm hearing is lack of experience. Mm. They just don't know. Like they don't know that Mm -hmm. it is so much better on the other side. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a little awkward. The first couple of times you're like, hey, I would really appreciate it. And it would mean a lot to me if you would, you know, fill in the blank X, Y, Z. Um, or, oh, I'm not in the headspace to talk about that subject right now. You know, one of the ones that I shared on Instagram was like, oh, I don't discuss weight loss while I'm eating. Like, that's just not a topic. <laughs> like, like, I do not like we do not. That's I just don't like And if that's what they want to talk about. That's cool. I will excuse myself from the table. Like, that's fine. Um, yeah. If you want the pleasure of my company, we're not talking about this. We can talk about literally millions of other subjects. And it's not about putting other people out by saying, we're not talking about this at the dinner table. It's, I don't want to talk about weight loss while I'm eating. Okay. There's my boundary. I've laid that out for you. If the conversation continues, do you then give them another opportunity and say, I really don't want to talk? Or do you say, okay, since the conversation seems to be continuing, I'm going to excuse myself. Probably the second one. Yeah. I would just excuse myself. I already said, oh, this isn't a subject that I'm comfortable talking about. And if the subject comes up, they're like, oh, excuse me. And I, my goal is to not punish them or make them feel bad. Like I'm not there to be like, oh my gosh, these gross, disgusting people who keep talking about weight loss while we're eating. Like, no, like I'm not trying to shame anybody. I just know for me, this is not a subject that I enjoy. And if they have, um, for whatever reason, this deep need to discuss that in that moment, I want to honor that. Also, I'm not going to be part of that conversation. And both of those things can be true. Do you feel like some people have a hard time setting boundaries because they have low self-worth, low self-esteem? I think it's a lifetime of not being told that their needs are important or that they don't know what their own needs are. If you grow up in a family where you're like, oh, I don't want to take a jacket. And they're like, you have to take it. You're cold. And they're like, I'm literally not cold. They're like, well, I don't want to eat. Not. <laughs> they're like, I don't want to eat anymore. You know, like you have to. Like, I'm, you know, like I'm forcing you to eat more. Like people are like, oh, I don't want to hug or kiss this person. Like you have to, their family. Like this uh, well-intentioned often, but harmful impact of overriding children's sense of their own boundaries, their own innate, like, Hey, this is what's okay. And not okay with me. Those children grow into adults who are like, Oh, I'm uncomfortable, but I'm not quite sure why. And I don't know what to say. And so I, to say, Oh, it's because they have low self-worth maybe. But like, I think that's an overly simplistic way of saying like they were taught through, you know, decades of experience. Hey, your needs are not important. Or maybe within the relationship that they're in, if they're in an abusive relationship, they're told that their needs are secondary. And so setting boundaries Mm -hmm. is not necessarily um, their first priority because that's what they are. That's what they have learned within that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, When we come back, I'm going to give a couple of different scenarios of places and in our lives where we might need some boundaries. And Cammie is going to give us some of her unique boundary phrases that she has been collecting. Uh, We'll be back in just a few minutes. Please make sure to tune back in. 
<laughs> so give us a couple minutes, like seconds to get to pee or anything. Do you need to use the restroom? You want to get some more water? Need anything? No? No. We'll just take a second and then we'll go right back into it. This is amazing. You're so smart. Ah. Oh. Thank you. Gosh. Some of the catchphrases that you have, like... And it's so true. Like, it's not just about self-worth. It's about how we're programmed mm -hmm. as individuals to place the needs of others above our own. Kind of like, do you use, do you put your, your mask on before someone else's, right? Like on yeah. an airplane, like, and it's not necessarily a selfish thing to have that boundary to say, Hey, in order for me to assist you, I gotta assist me first. Like, you can also take care of you yeah. by yourself, but I'll help you when I can, you when I get there. I think it is one of the most generous things we can do to make sure our own needs are met because then we have the capacity to really show up for others. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of people are not rolling that way. They're constantly like, I think of it um, like a full cup. Their cup is really empty and they keep trying to pour from an empty cup. And then there's resentment and there's anger and all of this built up versus when my cup is so full to overflowing, I have all of this extra to share. Like I have plenty of time and energy to spend an hour on the phone with my friend who's dealing with boundary, whatever. Like mm -hmm. I'm happy to do that because I have extra. Yeah. Because I made sure... I ate, I, you know, took care of the things I needed to do. Like my needs right. are met. So I'm really able to show up instead of being like, Oh my gosh, we've been on the phone for how long she's still talking. I've got to go. I got to do things like, no, I can just be very present because my needs are met. Yeah. So I believe right. taking care of ourselves is an incredibly generous thing to do for others. It's so beautiful. My God. And it makes so much fucking sense, man. Like, Like that, it really makes sense. And to think about like the amount of people pleasing people do and the amount of like avoidance, like that's my go-to, right? When someone crosses a boundary for me, I just ignore it. Like, all right, you want to do that? Go right ahead. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Right? You want to do that? That's your prerogative. And then it gets to a point where I'm like, okay, I can't take this anymore. And I'm just going to have to not talk to you ever again. Yeah. Like, and that's so sad because there could have been some points throughout where I could have said, hey, this, this means a lot to me if you were to do this instead. And, mm -hmm. and it's just that fear, this like, what if they take it wrong? What if they think I'm selfish? What if they um, don't like the boundary I set? What if my boundaries are dumb? Like, what if yeah. I'm not, what if this isn't the right boundary? Like, what if I'm overreacting? Yeah. Almost like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm being a drama queen. <sighs>
You're making out. You start feeling your way downtown. One of you wants to make a move to Cunnilingusville, but you don't have protection. Dental dams are hard to use, hard to come by, and condoms taste like, well, condoms. Hundreds of millions of people worldwide have STIs that can be transmitted via oral sex. So let me introduce you to Laurels, a first-of-its-kind product that provides protection, sexy style, and comfort. And it tastes like vanilla. Laurels for protection are FDA-approved for STI protection during oral-based activities. And Laurels for pleasure are the perfect cross between sexy lingerie and kinky toys. These thin and incredibly stretchy, single-use, silky latex undies are worn during fingering, rimming, oral sex, tribbing, and more. Head over to mylaurels.com to get your four-pack today. Be sure to use my code for a discount at checkout. What's your position podcast? All one word. And remember, stay safe, stay kind, and stay sexy with laurels. What's your position podcast wants to hear from you. Call 513-6969-SEX anytime and leave us a message. Maybe you have a question about anal. You have a fact about fisting. Or you just want to say, hello, fellow human. 513-6969-SEX. Call us. We will play your message in an upcoming episode. That's 513-6969-739. And remember, stay safe, stay kind, and stay sexy. What, do you have a name for your boundary coach, like classes or for your company? My boundary free flashcards. Is that what you're asking? Or no, just oh. gen- do you have a name for like the company in general? Oh, I'm Cami Orange LLC. I'm a boundary coach. Oh, nice. Okay. And then you have boundary flashcards? I do. I have my top 40 favorite boundary phrases are available as printable flashcards. It's like a little PDF you can get for $10. Oh my God, that's amazing. How do people get that? It's on my website, camiorange.com. By the way, your name is fantastic. Like Cami Orange. What a great, like bright, perfect name for somebody who needs like a, a website or like any sort of business. I just think that that's a wonderful, excellent name. Easy to remember, very unique. Um, camiorange.com for all your boundary flashcard needs. Um, and then when you do on TikTok, are you just cami orange? Cami underscore orange. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. 
Perfect. All right, so we're going to talk about a couple different types of boundaries. Um, right now, Riverside has decided that it has a boundary against Lillian. So Lily will be back when her and Riverside have figured out their boundaries together. So she'll be back with us in just a moment, I'm sure. Um, we're going to talk about a few different types of boundaries. The first one are physical boundaries. So physical boundaries include the need for personal space, the need for your comfort level with touch and time and space with another person, um, physical needs like needing to rest, needing to eat, needing to drink water. It's okay to let people know that you don't want to be touched. It's okay to let people know that you need time and space. And it's okay to let people know when you're hungry and when you need to rest. So Cammy, do you have some phrases that we can use when we have a physical boundary we'd like to set? Absolutely. That is the most common type of boundary that is requested when people need phrases for that. So for being touched, I mean, I do my best to always model that by asking other people, Hey, may I hug you? Or, Hey, may I give you a hug? Hey, there's something in your hair. May I pull it out? Like before you actually touch that. And I learned that I know you want phrases, but I'm going to tell a quick story. Um, no, I love this. I love the modeling concept. <laughs> I learned that when I was in high school, because I went to school one day, I would have been like 15 or 16. And I had this huge zit like next to my face. And I was so mortified and I tried all of the like creams and I put all this like foundation over it. And I was really trying to like cover up this thing. I was so mortified. So I'm standing in the hall talking with my friend and her boyfriend came over and he was chatting with us and he's like, Oh, you have something on your face. And he reached over and he picked it off my face. But no. it was the dry oh skin God. on the surface of my bit. So no. then my face started oh my bleeding. <laughs> prefer when people ask me before touching me mm, especially yeah. if they you never know mm -hmm. like oh you have this little thing on you you never know it might be attached no. to them just just don't double check <laughs> some people like i've, I've so gone sorry. over to, i've done that to my husband where i like i've been like baby come here you have a hair and it's attached he's done it to me mm -hmm. you have a hair and i'm like ow <laughs> yep that's in my head I've done that that's a hair partner. i have a lot of them and that yeah. one was attached yeah like don't touch me and i did it the other day to him and i should probably ask my husband even though i feel like we literally forget that our partners have boundaries Absolutely. even with ourselves like i went to grab something off of his mustache because in my mind i saw this little hair tickling <laughs> his nose i could see his nose like doing the act uh, like the twist like he could feel it. And I was like, I can see it. Like, yeah. I got this. I'm going to save the day. Like, let me grab that hair real quick. <laughs> and he like, I reached for it and he like jerked backwards. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I just, I can see. I, And I was, I, I felt really bad. So like, I kind <laughs> of like retreated into my shell, like, fuck, I crossed a boundary and I, I made him upset. And like, I was just trying to be helpful, but I was like, I can see a hair, babe. Can I get it for you? And he was like, Oh yeah. And so mm -hmm. I pulled it out and he was like, Oh, that's what was bothering me. And I was like, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my bad. I should have said something. That's, that's my fault. So what does a healthy boundary sound like, Cammy? So in that circumstance, you could do exactly what you did where you said, hey, I see a little hair on you. May I pick that off? And if you went to lean in and grab something without asking first, you could say, hey, I would appreciate it if you would ask me before picking things out of my nose or my mustache or whatever, (laughs) you know, wherever he thought you were going with that. And I like soft language. Um, the first time that we express things, the way I think of it is you're setting other people up to win. And so you can do this with kindness. You can do this with grace. Say, Hey, I would really appreciate it. If you would ask me before hugging me, I, Mm -hmm. I need a nap in the afternoons. I would appreciate it if you, if you see my door closed, that you don't just come in without knocking first or whatever it is. Like you can just ask gently. And most of the time, most reasonable people will be like, oh, thank you so much for letting me know. And then like that, that's it. Like problem resolved. Like it can be so gentle. The smaller percentage of people who um, that softer language doesn't communicate clearly, then the next time it happens, I would use slightly more. So that's, like I say, there's the four choices for boundaries. One of them is indirect. So I would appreciate it if you would ask before X, Y, Z, that's more indirect language. I still think it's pretty direct, but it's more on the indirect side. Yeah. Yeah. So direct would be, I need you to ask me before you do this again. Like I, Mm -hmm. like this is, let me be exquisitely clear. And the way I think of that is like, if this person was an alien and they <laughs> they didn't understand anything about our language and culture. And I was like, okay, let me be, let me be exquisitely clear with you. Like you need to ask permission before barging into my room. You never know what you're going to find. Like this is a, this is a request. <laughs> and it's okay if they've pushed that. If I use language like, I will need to start locking my door or I will need to take my key back. So you can't just come over or I like, we will have to change certain things if this is not something you're able to do. And it's not, again, it's not a punishment. It's not like a, Oh my gosh. Or a threat. It's not or a, a threat. threat. It's, yeah. It's like, right. it's an escalation of, I was indirect with my request of, I take a nap at 2 PM. I would appreciate it if you didn't come over during that time. And then they kept coming over and you had to say, I'm napping. I need my rest. Please Mm -hmm. do not come in my house when I am napping. Yes. To I'm going to have to remove my key from your key ring because it is clear that I I have not been clear enough. (laughs) Like I'm going to have to take my key away because I take a nap at two o'clock and I'll murder you if you come through my (laughs) That's the end of that emotional boundaries. Okay. So emotional boundaries are about respecting energy, respecting feelings, setting emotional boundaries really means recognizing the amount of emotional bandwidth you personally have and are capable of taking on from other people. So the energy that you have to expel into the world and the energy that you're capable of taking back on from the other, from the other, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing when to share and when not to share, limiting emotional sharing, um, especially with people who respond poorly, like that, that little percent that you Mm -hmm. were talking about, that, that smaller percent who maybe don't take on 
boundaries or emotional conversations as well as the majority. And then respecting emotional val uh, uh, boundaries means validating the feelings of that person. So when you accept the boundaries of someone's emotional needs, you're actually telling them that their feelings matter, that their emotions matter and how they feel in any given day, in any given space, and you're present, you're safe with them. What does an emotional boundary sound like? My best friend was on the phone with her mom this week, and I have permission to share this story. And she um, has been going through, you know, my friend has been going through a rough time. And she was like, her mom's like, what are you doing today? And, you know, my friend explained what she had planned. And then her mom's like, oh, well, why don't you? And then she just jumped into advice giving. And my dear friend said, oh, mom, I'm not in a space for advice right now. I would prefer if we didn't go down that road. And unfortunately, her mother is not somebody who likes to receive boundaries very well and immediately mm. started crying and saying, oh, I was just trying to love you and trying to help oh, you. This God. is what I do oh, with no. my friends. How come you don't want my love? It's like, mom, this is not helpful. If you need to cry, that's okay. I'm telling you this because I care about you and this is what I need right now. And the conversation shifted. And for her mom, she had a strong reaction where she was like, oh, my, you know, my daughter is mad at me. She's like, mom, I'm not mad. I said, hey, I'm not in a headspace for advice. And so it's very, in my world, it's very okay to check in before being like, hey, are you in a headspace to talk about, you know, fill in the blank, intense topics, or do you have the bandwidth to listen to me vent about this thing? And you, you ask first. And then yes. in exchange, when people reach out and are like, oh, they start sharing all the things. I say, I got to pause you right there. It sounds like what you're going through is really difficult. And I really want to support you with that. I can't at this exact moment, but I can, you know, like I need to eat something and then I can call you back mm -hmm. or, you know, I don't have... I don't have the headspace for that right now, the bandwidth for that now, but I can call you tomorrow. Or it sounds like what you need is beyond my areas of expertise, my capabilities. My capabilities. Like yeah. I literally, this sounds really serious. I like, I think you need to, you know, call a mental health professional or a doctor or something like whatever it is. I like my husband and I, when we have a conversation, like if I'm going to call him and talk about work or I'm going to vent about my family or whatever, he'll always say, do you want advice or do you just want me to listen? Yeah. And mm -hmm. just that question alone, first of all, I've actually, my therapist has said, maybe you can actually tell him ahead of time. I'm going to vent and I just want you to listen. And then that way he doesn't have to ask the question, right? He doesn't have to be the one in that position. Since you're the one who needs to vent, maybe you can also be the one to say, I don't want your advice. I don't want you to try to fix this. It's in my mind, not fixable. And any advice you give me is just going to feel like something else I have to deal with. So I just want to be able to get this off my chest. Are you in a place where I can just vent to you? My boyfriend and I do that a lot. Like I tend to, I, I'm a talker. Like I haven't talked very much this time, but like I am a talker and I talk at my boyfriend a lot. <laughs> like, I love that for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I rant 
about, and I go on tangents about mm-hmm. certain things. And so, and he's a problem solver. So his mm-hmm. favorite thing to do is just be like, well, you know, you could do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, but no, no, but ah, that's not what I want right now. Right. So I've had, I've struggled like through our relationship trying to set that boundary and say, I'm looking for advice in this moment or I'm just looking to rant. So like that is something that he and I have been trying to work on or really mostly like me trying to say that or even just him asking. Cause mm-hmm. like there are certain moments where I'm like, I didn't, I didn't want you to tell me what the, the right answer was. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear the answers. <laughs> Something that I have found helpful and something I've coached my clients with for that type of scenario, Lily, is helping the person who, you know, their love language is problem solving or they grew up in a family that that's how you show love is that you problem solve for each other. Um, People often make it gendered where they're like men are problem solvers. I think it's just humans. I've met just as many like humans love to problem solve. There are certain humans who love to problem solve. And so to say, I like to problem solve too. Right. And so to say, when I'm having strong feelings, the problem in the moment that I'm asking you to solve is that I need a safe space. I need a safe container where I can feel all of my feelings and express that. That is the problem I need you to solve. It's not about the subject matter. It's not about this, you know, person at work that I'm mad about, whatever. I don't actually, that's not the problem. The problem is I'm feeling strong feelings and I need my safe person to create this safe space for me to feel my feelings. That's the problem I need you to solve. So to say, oh, I just need you to listen. Like, yes, but it's still technically problem solving of like, I hear you. That sounds really frustrating. Like it's, it's being that safe space. And so sometimes for people who love to problem solve knowing that them sitting there and being like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah I would be pissed too yeah keep going <laughs> that sounds really, that, like that's them solving the problem can be really helpful that is that's such brilliant. an amazing way to put that that's brilliant an amazing that's way to put brilliant. that yeah. wow let's talk about time boundaries so I actually did not know what a time boundary was until I tar- started doing this research so Time is valuable. Time is money. Time is energy. Time is precious. Time is fleeting. And time is my biggest enemy, Cammie. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Me and time are not friends. And Mm -hmm. I can't stand being late. I can't stand when other people are late. I, I feel like I don't have enough time in the day, in the hours, in the minutes, in the weeks. Like, I hate time. So when I realized there was time boundaries, it blew my mind, honestly. Setting time boundaries is incredibly important, not only at work, not only at home, not only at school, but socially as well. Setting time boundaries with yourself is incredibly important as well. Making sure that you are aware that your time is valuable and you don't have to expend all of it doing something. I am trying to come to, my sister, thinks that I am the most ridiculous person because she'll, she'll call me on a Saturday and be like, what are your plans for this weekend? And I'll be like, Oh, nothing much. I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to relax. I don't have anything planned. And she's like, so what do you have planned? And I'm like, well, I mean, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to do some research. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to work on my project for school. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm probably going to go to the gym twice. 
Um, probably <laughs> she's like, <laughs> your weekends are exhausting. Like you literally are the most exhausting human being. And I'm like, no, but that's nothing. Cause I don't have like 12 people to hang out with. So when you understand what your priorities are in life, um, it's much easier to wrap your head around what a time boundary is. So I looked up some time boundary phrases, which give me so much anxiety. <laughs> some of them being, I can't come to your event this weekend. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> I can only stay for an hour. That one hurts less than not going at all. So I feel like that's a good compromise for me. Mm -hmm. Do you have time to chat today? I feel like that's a really beautiful thing that I would give to somebody like, hey, do you have time to talk to me today? Or can I call you and talk to you about this thing today? Um, we have family time on Sundays, so we won't be able to make it. I'm happy to help with that. My hourly rate is. <laughs> <laughs> That one was the best. I thought that one was so good. I'm happy to sit with you and chat with you about your boundaries, but my hourly rate is. <laughs> right? Yeah. What are some time boundary phrases or time boundary examples you can give to us? I think it's, may I say something a little coachy about what you just Please. said, Ashley? <laughs> Coach the fuck out of me, Cammy. Let's, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> I... Um, earlier we had spoken about how, you know, I used to be a wardrobe mentor and you mentioned your closet and your approach to your clothes. And I believe that, you know, how we do anything is how we do everything because we bring mm. ourselves wherever we go. And so your same approach to your closet is the same approach to your schedule. Like you love to overfill like mm -hmm. you're like, oh, I have five dresses on this hanger. I have four things scheduled for 7 p.m. on Friday. Like you, <laughs> you have this beautiful Fair. love of life and you don't want to yeah. miss out on any of it. And so you want to say Fair. yes to everything. And something that I've noticed in life is that our weaknesses are often our strengths at too high of a volume. So instead of saying, oh, Ashley, the way you do your schedule is wrong or the way you do your closet is wrong, I invite you to think about how much you love life, how much you want to embrace every moment of everything. You want all of the beautiful dresses. You want all of the fun things at 7 p.m. on Friday. Like you want all of it. <laughs> and that when you turn any music up too loud, it just becomes noise. And so mm -hmm. if you really honor that aspect of yourself, this is my coaching and my, my thoughts for you. If you honor that aspect of yourself, that you are a lover of life and you are so fiercely passionate about it, you will see a shift in how you fill your time because the challenge you're having or fill your closet or wherever else you're filling things. <laughs> um, I would be shocked if there weren't multiple aspects of your life where you are overfilling. Um, <laughs> I have three jobs. I might, I might have three jobs. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so if you honor this aspect of yourself and say, yes, this is who I am as a person. I want to fully experience things. I think the shift will move from, I need to experience everything to experiencing this thing completely. 
Cause you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, instead of going to this and it's also okay. If you not don't do that, you're like, Oh, I do. I'll stop at this party for 15 minutes, this party for 15 minutes, this party for 15 minutes and this party for 15 minutes. If that is how you choose to do it, that's okay. But it's honoring that and saying, yes, this is my value. This is what is my priority. I want a little bit of it all. Or most people, they like, Oh, I'm going to go to this one party and like really enjoy the full thing. Like I'm going to taste all of it, smell all the smells, you know, like embrace all of it. And it's okay that you're like this. I don't think it's a bad thing, but I think that you have an opportunity to honor that this is what matters to you. Yeah. And so the time boundaries I would suggest would be things like, I would love to be there. Thank you so much for thinking of me. My schedule is very full right now. And so I can't confirm a strong yes. If you need a firm yes, I'm going to have to just say no, don't count on me. But if you're okay with a maybe, I will show up if that if that works out. And use language that allows you to embrace things the way that you want. And some people are good with that. They're like, yeah, if you can make it, stop by. And other people are like, nope. Either you're coming or you're not coming. This maybe-ness doesn't work for me. And that's their time boundaries. And that's okay. So I use a lot of language like, hey, you know, are you available for X, Y, and Z topic? Or, you know, talk about this thing. And I have a lot of disabled and chronically ill friends. I'm autistic. Like, I have limited bandwidth. Like, I only have space for the most important things. And so I'm, time is a non-renewable resource. And so I only invest it in the things that matter the very most to me. That makes a lot of sense. And you hit the nail directly on the, on the head. I do, I love to do all of the things. I, I was a golden retriever in a past life. I want to get, I want to catch all the balls. I want to get all the pets. I want to sniff all the butts. I want to wag all the tails. Like I literally want to do, I've told people time and time again, find me a vampire so I can live forever. Cause I have so much shit I have to do. Like I'm, I'm ready to do all of the things, but there are days where I sit back and go, I can't, I, I can't even do a thing. I can't even make an English muffin because I've done all of the things. And now I'm just stuck in this like hanger of fear of what to do next of like, I I have so many things to do. I don't know where to start. And it happens way more than I would like to care to admit because I like to be organized and I like to say yes. I typically don't say no. It's not really a a word in my vocabulary. Um, I've only recently adopted it and I only pull it out when I really mean it. (laughs) Like when I really know that like, (sighs) this is going to push. I can't, I can't like, I get that's going to be a no for me. Like, or when it's something that really, like you said earlier, goes against my values. Like I, I'm a staunch, like, rooter of the underdog and I I am a big advocate for the other. And so when something goes against the values of other people, I'm going to fucking stop you right there. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and say no to you and all your little minions. Like we're going to have a problem. And it's more so when it comes to other people's needs and other people's boundaries and other people's values, I need to start focusing on my 
time boundaries, my emotional boundaries. Like, because like you said earlier, the nicest thing we can do, what did you say? The nicest thing we can do is say it. (laughs) I think the kindest and most generous thing we can do is to set other people up to win by setting boundaries. Yeah. Sexual boundaries are a big one. That's the next category. Healthy sexual boundaries will include consent, agreement, respect, understanding of preferences, desires, privacy, and flexibility. Um, And consent happens consistently. Happens consistently and happens throughout the entire experience. Consent is not a one-word answer. Consent happens throughout the entire experience of sexuality. Also remembering that our sexual boundaries can be flexible and can change as we experience things, as we grow. You might say to yourself, I'm only having missionary sex. I'm only having sex in the missionary position. Mm -hmm. And you may actually change that boundary as you come to realize that this doesn't feel good. This hits my cervix or this this feels awkward or strange or let me move because I, I have... I'm on my period and I don't want to have missionary sex. I want to have sex in the shower and whatever the case may be. Understanding that our boundaries can change over time. And I think sexual boundaries are a great place to realize that our boundaries can shift based on day-to-day desires, needs, fantasies, ideas, um, fluidity of sexuality and ideas surrounding gender and orientation. Healthy boundaries include knowing how to ask for consent and knowing how to hear consent, discussing what pleases you. Consent and and discussing how to be pleased are two of the biggest pieces of sexual communication that I try to teach. Discussing uh, contraception and STI protection is huge when it comes to sexual boundaries. I will not have sex without a condom. I won't. I, I won't put myself in that position. If that's something that you're not comfortable with, I'm very sorry. We are not sexually compatible. Um, saying no to things that you're not comfortable with, spanking, BDSM, um, having sex on camera, these things may not be comfortable for you. And protecting the privacy of the other person. I would appreciate it if you didn't tell people that we were having sex. I would appreciate it if you didn't post pictures of us in bed. Um, and making sure that you're respecting the, the privacy of the other person. What are some sexual boundaries that you think are good ways to approach an awkward situ- situation? Like, are we going to use a condom or do you like anal sex? Like those are very difficult topics to broach, but those are really important questions to ask. Do you have any fun phrases that we can throw into the sexual mix? I would love to share. I am a really direct person and I love asking really direct questions. And so I am very comfortable asking questions like, what size condoms do you wear? Like, it's not a, are we using condoms? It's a, what type of condoms are we using? Like, what's your favorite brand? Yeah. What's your favorite brand? What, what's the plan? And you know, like, Oh, when was the last time you got tested for STIs? What did you get tested for? And I am from Utah where we have terrible sex ed and Mm -hmm. the number of partners I've had who genuinely, they were not kidding, like genuinely didn't understand that like you have to wear a condom the whole time. Um, like not just at the ejaculation point, but like any genital to genital contact. And 
I had an experience with someone where we, you know, we were in bed, things were getting heated. We had bought condoms. There was condoms sitting literally right there and you were making out. And then he just like slid in. And I was like, hold up, time out, condom, like what? And he was like, yeah, we are going to use condoms. I was like, so what is your penis doing? Like, what are, what are we doing? And like, he was surprised that I was surprised and I was shocked that he like, we were not on the same page. So we turned all the lights no, on, sat on even the, in the same book. Yeah. Sat on the edge of the bed and we had a little sex ed lesson, which kind of killed the mood, but I felt like that was important Ugh. because I was like, Oh, let's talk about pre-seminal fluid. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, no, oh. like there's sperm potential in pre-seminal fluid. You need to wear a condom for any genital to genital penetration. And he was like, what? Like he had literally no idea. And he's like, I've never done that. And I was like, I'm amazed that you don't have more children out there because (laughs) like, this is a thing. Probably do. Right. I was like, I'm a little concerned now. And he didn't know. And so I have learned to not assume that people know the same things that I know. And I do ask a lot of questions. And because my primary value is safety, I value my safety and their safety over the awkwardness of like asking really explicit questions. And people are like, mm-hmm. wow, you really ask a lot of questions. Yes. Cause I had sex with the dude who didn't know how condoms worked. Like I had sex with the dude who <laughs> right. like, there's so much but variety. I didn't know what pre-seminal fluid was. Yeah. Hello. Or I had a partner who I was like, Oh yeah. He's like, let's do anal. And then I was like, what are you doing? We're not going back and forth, like touching back no. and forth. I got a huge, I got a infection and we had a conversation. Yeah. That's UTI territory uh-huh. right there. He didn't know. Nobody had ever talked to him about this, like all kinds of things. And I'm like, so I just don't assume. And I ask lots of questions. And because I have a very like casual, curious approach, I just am very direct. Like, oh, let's talk about this. Like, oh, these are my preferences. You know, I prefer these types of things in bed. I prefer that. Like, And so for people who are not familiar with the BDSM community, I'm not saying you have to be in that community, but one of the things I think that they do well is people get really comfortable with saying, this is what's okay with me. This is what's not okay. You know, I'm not going to yuck someone's yum, but there are certain things that I'm like, yeah, golden showers, not my jam. It's fine if that's what you want. And it's okay to say that. And it's okay to say how you feel and ask for what you want. And so the, I love that the phrasing is also, I think, um, you know, I'm sure you're, you know, you've talked about, maybe we'll talk about this again another day, actually of like, you know, when people have the things that turn them on and the things that turn them off in a lot of ways, that's like, what's okay. What's not okay. Like those are boundaries. And so it's like, oh, it turns me on when you dress like the UPS man. It turns me off when you, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) when you slap my ass without asking. Yeah. It's like this. And Mm -hmm. so to have a positive sexual experience, like that's why I show up for that. Like I want to have a really good time. And so I want to have all the boundary conversations first so we can just play. We can just play and have a good time. And And they shift too. people think like, oh, if I say that I don't like doggy style in the beginning I can never like it again and it's like 
No. Your boundaries and sexual time, energy, they can change mm-hmm. on a daily basis. And if they do, let your partner know, hey, I think I'd like to try doggy style tonight. If you would go slow with me, um, I, that sounds interesting. And I'd like to go on that journey with you yeah. and, you know, set a, set a boundary. Yeah. Um, I learned another boundary today when I was doing my research that I didn't know before. I knew it, but I didn't know it had a name. Intellectual boundaries. Mm-hmm. This is one that was crossed frequently when I was growing up, um, belittling, um, diminishing value and worth of knowledge. It And I didn't realize how much it had affected me as a person until I got my master's degree and like, was like, okay, I did something great and, and this is a big deal. And I, intellectual boundaries re- refer to your thoughts, your ideas, um, the respect of other people's intellect and their thoughts and ideas. They can be violated when your your curiosity is shut down, when you've been, been dismissed or belittled over things that you think or believe. Um, respect and willingness to have dialogue and to understand one another are important. Healthy intellectual boundaries also mean considering whether or not it might be a good time to discuss a sensitive topic, mm-hmm. um, having different opinions on things. Um, when like, should we be discussing the presidency during Thanksgiving? Probably not. Um, or, if you have an idea about something and someone goes, that's stupid. I've never heard a more stupid idea. Like, why would you even think something like that? Those are ways that we shut down our intellectual boundaries. So you don't have to be accepting of all people's thoughts and opinions in order to honor someone's intellectual boundaries. It's just important to understand that when someone shares something with you, not shutting them down or making them feel stupid or small is very, very important. Uh, What is a good way to set up intellectual boundaries? For me, I have a list of things that I don't hold space for. And I believe holding space is creating a safe container for what someone else is expressing. You know, that could be their sadness, that could be their grief, whatever. You know, there's new thoughts, their ideas. And there are things that, you know, I am not the right person for whatever reason. I have personal lived experiences with something. I have trauma. I have, for whatever reason, I'm not the right person for that. And it's okay for me to be like, hey, that sounds really important to you. That's not a topic that I'm willing to discuss. And... I have, uh, I'm thinking of one particular incident this last week. I had a friend text me and she's like, hey, could you remind me your boundaries around diet culture and weight loss talk? I have a video I wanted to share with you and I just didn't know if I should just send it to you or um, if it would be better if I summarized it. And like, I have those types of conversations with friends constantly of like, oh, hey, will you remind me of your boundaries around this? And what are your limits on this topic? And, you know, if somebody's like, hey, I have this great idea. I know that I said my, our, you know, our wedding is going to be next year, but what if we got married in two weeks? Doesn't that sound fun because of this, you know, numerology, whatever. And I'm like, I, you know, are we at the point where we're planning this and you want me to just like be excited? Like, yeah, you're getting married in two weeks. Or are we like talking through the, like, do you actually want to do this? Like what, how much support do you need right now? 
And so... <laughs> Are we changing everything from a year for t- to two weeks? Am I, am I all in on this with you? No. Are we just throwing around the idea and maybe seeing what it feels like, trying it on for size? Okay, I can play that game for a minute, yeah. but let's be real. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about this. And I... It's kind of odd to me, I'll be honest, when people will intentionally make other people feel small because, like, it doesn't feel good. Like, it doesn't feel good when somebody does that to you. Why would you ever do that to someone else? Like, I don't get it. I think part of that is I'm autistic, and I also grew up sheltered in a cult. So, like, I have a weird background. And so I'm just like, (laughs) I, like, literally don't understand. Like, I don't get it. Like, I'm like, why would you be mean on purpose? Like, that's so sad. Like, I don't, I don't I, I don't understand the, we have only one, I mean, there's a many, there's many different variations on what happens when we leave this earth. But if we only have one chance in this vessel, right, and the one that we're in right now, why would you waste it on being hateful? Yeah. I just don't get it. Like, the everyone has an idea to share and, and has things they want to talk about. And if that's not a thing that you want to talk about, then don't, then let them know, Hey, this isn't my area of expertise, or I'm not very well versed on this topic, or I'm actually not really comfortable with this topic. And I don't, but, but I'm happy to talk to you about other things. Like I'm happy to have a conversation with you about something else. Part of the reason I do my podcast is because I am so comfortable talking about so many different things. And I'm actually just really excited to learn about various things. Like I love knowledge and I love learning. And so when I get shut down and when I get told things like that's a stupid idea or you did that wrong or um, you're not that smart, it breaks the spirit of a person. And why would anyone want to break someone's spirit for their, and it's not even for a game. Like, what are you, I'm not a queen. Like you're not dethroning me. (laughs) Like, what are you taking from me other than my joy, other than my spirit and my happiness? Like there's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to do that to another person. Yeah, I agree. I, when anybody's like, oh, you're, you know, that idea is stupid. My first thought is like, wow, they have a profound lack of curiosity. That is really unfortunate (laughs) for them. That sucks. Like, I I hope they figure that out. Like, oh, they have a really limited ability to wonder and like to explore possibilities. Most likely they were told over and over when they were a child that their ideas were stupid and now they don't know how to react to things that are new. That's really unfortunate. I hope they figure that out. I'm going to go share my good news with someone else. <laughs> I'm going to go share my good news with someone who cares. Goodbye. Yep. <laughs> So in conclusion, Cami, I just want to thank you for being here with us and talking to us about boundaries, walking us through why people don't have boundaries, how to set these boundaries, um, and, and maybe some, some takeaways on, uh, ways that people can tap into maybe some boundaries that are lacking in their lives. Before we go, is there anything else about setting boundaries that you want to share or anything about maybe dealing with difficult people, um, or when someone doesn't respect your boundaries, anything else that you want to share before we go? My final piece of advice for today would be 
If you are new to learning boundaries or if you've heard yourself use phrases like, oh, I'm suck at boundaries, I'm bad at boundaries, oh, I'm terrible at boundaries, I invite you to change your language. I invite you to say, oh, I'm new to this or I'm learning or I still feel awkward when I'm setting boundaries and be okay that this is a new language. But it's kind of like, you know, if you're learning a new, like literally a foreign language or something, if every time you go to practice it, you're like, oh, I'm so bad at this. It shuts down the part of your brain that helps you learn. So say, oh, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes at this and that's okay. This can be real awkward for a while. And here we go. Like I can do this. I can do boundaries. I am learning boundaries. And it's okay to say how you feel and ask for what you want and say the thing. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to ask for what you want. And it's okay if someone can't give that. Mm -hmm. It's okay. It's okay to say, okay, I hear you. Thank you for understanding that, you know, thank you for respecting the conversation and I'll go take my needs elsewhere. Um, And it's also okay. It's also okay to not surround yourself with people who consistently disrespect your boundaries, regardless of their position in your life whether it be a boss or a husband or a wife or a a mom or a coworker, if someone consistently disrespects your boundaries, it's okay to distance yourself from them and to, to limit your communication with that person. Um, you don't have to subject yourself to, what would you call it? Is that a, what, what would you call that, Cammie? Someone who constantly disrespects your boundaries. What is that? Is that abuse? That's not abuse. What is that? I think it depends on the scenario. There are a lot of cases where people like, how do I set boundaries with this person? They tell me a little bit more details. I'm like, oh no, that's abuse. Like it's just, it is abuse. So that, that can be abuse. Um, also there's people who are ignorant, I, so it's usually one or the other. Um, maybe there's some third option out there. I'm open to that. But usually it's either people <laughs> are being abusive or they are ignorant. They could also be ignorant and abusive. But like they. they that's, a, that's a double whammy. Right. They just don't know. They don't know. And I yeah. choose for the most part to assume ignorance instead of malice. That makes my life better. Mm-hmm. If I just mm-hmm. assume, wow. They were not educated on this. They weren't supported when they were a child in learning this thing. I hope that they figure that out. I am not the person to teach them. I'm going to create some space. I Mm -hmm. did a, (laughs) I like little songs um, set to common tunes. I sing them to myself all the time. And one that I did for TikTok is to the tune of Row, Row Your Boat. And it's like, thank you for showing me who you really are. So I can change my boundaries from close to really far. Oh my God. That is so good. (laughs) Holy shit. I'm going to use that so much. I love that. I love that. All right. On that note, Cammie, is there anything you want to plug? You want to say your website one more time? CammieOrange.com and it's K-A-M-I. And if you're new to learning boundaries and you need help figuring out what to say, I highly recommend my boundary phrase flashcards. There's 40 of them. They're just $10 and it helps people develop that boundary vocabulary, helps you learn that language. And where can people follow you? I am on TikTok, Cami underscore orange, and I'm on Instagram, just Cami orange. 
Fantastic. So make sure you check out Cammie's TikTok, Instagram, and website for all your boundary needs. Uh, make sure you check us out on What's Your Position podcast at Instagram. You can also email us anytime, what's your position podcast at gmail.com. And you can call me at 513-6969-SEX. You can leave me a voicemail, ask me a question, tell me a story. Um, I love when people call me. I haven't had very many people do it, so please be the first one. Uh, we'd love to thank our sponsors, Four Sons Brewing. We love you so much, guys. Hope you guys have a great weekend. Um, happy birthday to Dusty. It was his birthday this weekend. He's one of the Four Sons. Uh, we also love Laurels. They are STI protected underwear for all oral tripping and analingus activities. Um, we love laurels. If you use our code WYP, you get 15% off your entire order at the end of your purchase. Awkward Essentials is another amazing sponsor of ours. They provide all sorts of different types of awkward fluid help from um, being able to use a porta potty without sitting down through their funnel um, to a brand new sex toy that just they, they just came out with called the Nikki um, to my favorite, the cum sponge that you can use during intercourse to soak up any extra fluids that may be coming out that you don't want to. Awkward Essentials, you can use my code WIP and get 10% off your order. We thank our sponsors so much. We thank you, Cami, for being here, for allowing us to ask you questions and for providing space for us today in your world. Uh, we cannot wait to have you back on. We love you so much. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thanks, Lily, for being here. Appreciate you and big hearts for being my intern. Stay safe, stay kind, stay sexy. never left home who's never struck out to find a dream and a life of their own a place in the clouds a foundation of stone many precede and many will follow a young girl's dreams no longer hollow it takes the shape of
What's Your Position podcast represents the opinions of Ashley Weller and her guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is intended for education and entertainment purposes only. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions, or correction of error. Stay safe, stay kind, and stay sexy.